When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone and welcome to the Arsenal way and what a win, what a win, what a win. We are here to discuss the post-match reaction of Arsenal versus Brentford, a 2-0 win. Saka and Smith-Rowe got the wins for us and I'm with Guy Clark to go through the game and dissect all the matters that happened in a big match. How are you, Guy? I like it, I like it. No, I'm joking, I'm not going to go into full song. But yeah, Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe, the boys getting the job done for Arsenal. And it's felt so long since that Wolves game, only nine days, but... I mean, to, to get back to Emirates Stadium, to get three points and, and see some goals at home, which we haven't seen since the, the, the first day of the new year. Um, yeah, brilliant result. Uh, didn't think Brentford offered much whatsoever. Should have been far more comfortable. Uh, should have kept the clean sheet too. That's a bit of a, a frustration that, that that wasn't able to be seen over the line. But yeah, back at home, back to winning ways and just a point off the top four with those games in hand. Exactly. What a win it was for us. And I think every game now feels like a cup final and uh, the weight between each game makes it even more intense because we're waiting like, oh, we need to get a game. We need to win this game. And we are performing. We are performing at the moment. Wolves, we won. Brentford, we won. But just how important was this game here, Guy? Yeah, it was huge. It was it was massively important um, because kind of, uh, and I mean, people getting involved in, in the chat box, everybody of the same opinion, really. It was, especially after the Burnley game as well, I think... Um, the manner of that draw uh, against the side we expected to beat. Of course, there was so much spoken about kind of needing a striker in the January transfer window and that that didn't happen. I mean, we were talking during the game and at halftime, you were saying it's got nil-nil written all over it. It's another carbon copy. And we do at times look as though we're lacking kind of that, that clinical edge at the top end of the pitch. Now, whether you want to solely blame that on Lacazette, he didn't have a great game today. No. Equally, it is others who need to come up with the goal first half. Erdegaard, who I thought was absolutely sublime and fantastic, had the chance to shoot, decided not to, second half. And I think that was the key thing, was the time the goal came. What, three minutes into the second half or just over two minutes into the second half? Emil Smith-Rowe just carving sort of through that Brentford defence and using the the, the, the uh, position of the defender to shape it around the goalkeeper. Fantastic finish, fantastic timing, and really kind of took all of that nervous tension that would have built up in the second half had it stayed goalless out of the game and Arsenal were able to enjoy themselves. And I think that's what makes Smith a great player. He's done it a few times now. I remember he changes the game. We needed a goal against Watford, I believe, early in the season. It was nil in all 60th minute. It looked like he was going to drag into a goalless draw. But then Smith steps up and puts the team on his back. Even against Manchester United, yes, we lost that game at Old Trafford, but he did score the goal to the opening goal. He does get these goals where he really does change the game. And that separates a class player from a from a decent player. And I think we're really seeing that with Smith Rowe now, aren't we, aren't we going? Yeah, definitely. He's our, he's our top goal scorer this season. And I mean, yeah. that's no mean feat when you consider that for what, the last six weeks, he's not been a first team regular. He's been coming off the bench and getting his goals. But that's the thing as well about how this Arsenal team is built, that we're so fixated within whether it's English football or just as football fans to think that 
your goal scorer has to be your number nine, the man at the top of the pitch. I mean, look at the team who were top of the table. They didn't get their number one target. They didn't get a striker in the summer. And yet, how many goals are they scoring and how many come from kind of these these wide players cutting in and getting the goals? And Smith Rowe and Martinelli have been carrying that load from the left wing. We've not obviously got a clinical man through the middle. And that's the thing is, with these youngsters that, They've got that fearlessness, that breath of fresh air that actually they they continue to rise to the occasion. They don't feel the pressure. Now, in the closing weeks of the season, if we're still in for the race for top four, will that pressure and the, the I suppose the expectancy of playing for a club as big as Arsenal begin to hinder them? I'm not sure it will because you can kind of go back a, a good while now, can't you? Even to sort of year before last Boxing Day 2020 when the three of them tore Chelsea apart. And you look at it and think, yeah, these guys are... A stellar options. They're built for the big occasion, and yeah, as well as as well as Smith Rowe did as well. Bakayo Saka moving over to that left hand side took his goal expertly too. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I think Erdogan played a big part. I wrote a piece actually that's getting released for the post match uh, reaction uh, in written form about Erdogan's new position in almost the right half space. And I feel like that gave Saka more support on the right hand side because. I feel sometimes he feels he has the burden on him. He has a lot to do on the right-hand side, but Erdogan really to support him. You saw those two linking up quite well. And of course, with Smithrow coming in, he's allowed to operate in the middle of the park because Erdogan's just more out to the right. And it just works. It works really well. It's a really good transition phase there. But with Martinelli suspended, Guy, with this performance of Smithrow, what happens next? What does Arteta do for Wolves? That is a real headache, isn't it? Do you bring on Martinelli, who's arguably been our best player since Smithrow's been out? Or do you keep Smithrow, who was our, arguably our best player today as well? Do you play all four of them? Do you mm. go... Uh, I mean, I, I wanted to talk about Granite Xhaka as well today. Um, yeah. We'll get on to him refusing yeah. the captain's armband and I thought that was poor from him. But up until that moment, I thought him and Thomas Partey played expertly and actually deserve yeah. a fair bit of credit for the way in which they just boxed Brentford in. Now, Brentford aren't a side renowned for... Yes, they're not in great form, but they're not a side renowned for going away to big sides and just playing a low block and defending for their lives and hoping to get a point. But the way in which Partey and Xhaka controlled that midfield, along with Erdegaard, just meant they couldn't get out. And a lot mm. of that control happened, as you said. Erdegaard in the right half space, Xhaka had moved out to the left, and Partey in that kind of central role, akin of that kind of 4-3-3 that Man City played, that we know, ultimately, that's where Mikel Arteta wants to go to. And, and in Martin Erdegaard, he has two players in one because he has a guy who can play as a number 10 in a 4-2-3-1, equally, equally within game, can shift out to being a right of a midfield three. And Xhaka moved out to the left and mobility isn't his biggest strength. But today, he was able to get around the pitch, shuttle around. I, I think against a higher class opponent, it wouldn't be his game. But Umar and myself did the the match uh, the, the team predictor stream prior to the game, and I said I wanted to see Lakonga play and an Erdegaard either side of party to mm. maybe see what what Lakonga can do in maybe an eight role rather than in a double pivot in a six. And albeit he didn't play, Xhaka played that role, and largely at times today we did play a four three three. And I thought, as I say, Xhaka and 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 party really did lock down the midfield, but. Martin Erdegaard was he was a man possessed at times today, winning the ball back, the cute little passes, as you say, when he comes out to the right side and links with Saka, the two of them left-footed naturally want to drift in field. It allows a, a right back to go round them, not quite down to the byline, but it just pins the opposition yeah. back. And that was what we saw today with Cedric obviously playing in that role. But to answer your initial question about Wolves, yeah, why not play Smith Rowe in that central role? Wolves are a side who are going to come and play with the low block. 
So why not with Arsenal in the confidence they are? Is it time for Mikel Arteta to to really unleash that formation he ultimately wants to get towards? Absolutely. I just want to quickly mention there, you mentioned about the fullbacks overlapping. That's why my love for Lamptey is so dear and I wanted to bring him in because he'll be perfect for a game like today. But as you said, Granit Xhaka, we did, you, you did mention it briefly. As if there was one negative to, out to come out of today, that was Granit Xhaka. If you guys didn't see it, basically, Eddie Nketiah came on as a substitute. He came on for Lacazette, who, of course, was the captain. And then Lacazette gave Eddie Nketiah the captaincy to give it to a player on the pitch. Nketiah tried to give it to Granit Xhaka. He refused the first time. Nketiah tried again. He refused the second time. So then Nketiah had to give the captaincy to Kieran Tierney. Now, that has caused a lot of controversy and a lot of discussion amongst the Arsenal fans. Guys, just what's your thoughts on Granit Xhaka's decision to refuse the captaincy, as it looked like he did anyway? I thought it was poor. I thought it was poor. And we continually find ourselves in this position with Granit Xhaka, don't we, where... The manager seemingly obviously trusts him and there's no... I mean, as far as Mikel Arteta must be concerned, and, and you hear people from around the club as well speak about the utter professionalism that Granit Xhaka shows mm. around the place and the role model, the leader he is. But publicly, we see ill discipline from him time and time again. Whether it's red cards or acting like this, for me and I think for a number of fans, when he did what he did against Crystal Palace... That left an indelible mark against his name that was never going to be removed, regardless of how well he played. And like I say, today I thought he was really good. And I do actually think there is a place for him in this Arsenal team. And, and, and he is a good player, hence why he's stuck around for as long as he hasn't been trusted by as many managers as he has. But in front of a home crowd, to not take the captain's... I mean, what is Granit Xhaka now? 28, 29? Yeah, he's not 29. a young player anymore, but he continually acts petulantly and as though he is a player who just needs to read the room. You're at home. You're in front of a home crowd that by far the greatest team is blaring out all around. Everybody's in party mood. We're winning 2-0. We're going to see this game out. And then he just does something like that, that now that's what we're going to talk about about Granit Xhaka. Yeah. Rather than how brilliantly he played, which is the important thing, is him petulantly not taking the armband. Now, to me, you'll read as much as you want into it, but... You, you've got to think, you can't think anything other than it's the beginning of the end for him. Yeah. At the same time, do you feel like this is almost Shaka saying, OK, look, I am not the captain. As as the comment that says there, maybe he wants to leave the club. We know that. And maybe he wants to feel like he doesn't deserve to wear the captaincy. And actually, Kieran Tierney does. And he is going to be the captain for next season. Was that, could you think, do you think that was part of Shaka's thinking by any chance? It's, it's deep and I mean a lot of people kind of in, in, in the comments saying it's not a big deal and this that and the other I mean for some people it is for me it is it's the captaincy it, it, it is a thing at Arsenal for, for too long even as a club it's been disrespected and thrown around we've not really had a proper strong leader of the team maybe kind of since when you go back to, to Cesc Fabregas Robin Van Persie kind of mm. the way in which those guys led the team um even Mikel Arteta himself, you, you would never have seen him. Regardless of if you think Arteta is talented enough to be the Arsenal captain, he never would have treated the armband like that. It is a symbolic thing. You are the leader of the team. And if it, if a player, a young player on the pitch is coming to you with the armband and seeing you as the leader, and he's clearly been told by Mikel Arteta, that's who you pass yeah. the armband to. Yeah. So yeah. It's, 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 it's a direct breach of team orders in effect I, I might be going completely over the top of this i that's how i feel i i don't think it's really something publicly that it, it's it's airing your, your dirty laundry in public once again from granite jacker yeah just, just 
Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, with, I'm on the fence. I see both sides of the argument. But again, it was weird that Enketa went to him twice and was so insistent on giving the captaincy to Shaka. I think that only says one thing. However, we shall see. Arteta will be speaking, of course, in a press conference. I think we'll get a lot of clarity there unless he wants to keep it quiet and under the bush. But we shall see. But let's just touch back onto the game, guy. And I'm important, before we do end the show, just what does this say for Arsenal top four hopes? Was this game a definitive win or do you think we still need to prove, still need to prove or has this really defined a lot going into the final stretch of the season? No, it's ultimately it's a game we expected to win, wasn't it? I think if, if you'd said anything prior to the game other than Arsenal going to win this game by by a two-goal margin really or a three-goal margin, that was that was definitely what we would have um, expected. So, yeah, I... I, I Beyond kind of the result, I don't think we can read too much into it. Maybe, maybe kind of how people are reacting to my comments on Granite Jack. <laughs> we shouldn't read too much in, into into that either. Um, ultimately, it's the kind of win you just need to chalk off to to keep getting where you need to get to in the battle for fourth. Now, really intriguingly, with Arsenal, with the battle for fourth is, and as has been the case at Arsenal for five six years or so, is let's just chalk off the wins against the sides lower down in the table than us. We know a few of those high-profile games, certainly away from home, haven't gone our way. But the way in which you're seeing Tottenham dropping points, Manchester United dropping points, even West Ham today against Newcastle, United at home dropping points, against sides a lot further down in the table. If we just keep doing our job and winning these so-called routine win games, I know we didn't against Burnley, but... The, the the point being, if we can continue to, to kind of win the games where you expect us to win, we will be there or thereabouts and it, it will be above expectation for this season. Wolves is going to be a big test. But as I said before, they don't score many. They don't concede many. I expect they will come with a very deep low block. Let's go at them. Yeah, absolutely. And the, as you mentioned, Tottenham dropping points and today TC's Tom Canton's <laughs> done me there. He's done me. <laughs> he really has. Well, yeah. Tottenham, 10 minutes time, they're playing against Manchester City. We know the result there most likely is going to be a loss of Tottenham. We hope anyway. So it really does put us in good faith for the game against Wolves, doesn't it, guys? Before we end the show, I just want to get your thoughts on the game against Wolves now because if we do win that, we're in a top four with an extra game in hand. Just how important is this one against Brentford going, going to be for the game against Wolves? Yeah, I mean, it's a confidence builder, isn't it? We've, not, we've, now, we've now strung back-to-back wins together. I, I, I'm a bit ir- irritated, as I said before, we didn't keep the clean sheet today as well. Um, but yeah, no, it, it builds the confidence. It, it's now a bit of a run that we're putting together. Obviously, before we went to Anfield, we felt as though 10 unbeaten, we had a bit of a run going together. Obviously, off the back of the disappointment against City, we, we've started now to, to begin to, to put some results together, albeit they've been a year apart between the games when we actually have played them. But no, I think it is big. I think we, we just continue to, to try and go in that way. I'm not reading much into the games in hand. I'm not going to lie because... Mm. We've got Liverpool, we've got Chelsea, we've got Tottenham as games that are going to be rearranged now. They're not games that you look at and go, oh yeah, there's nine points. But equally, before we've even played any games in hand, we're one point off of Manchester United. So we are right in the mix, regardless of how those games in hand go for us. And I think at the moment, all focus has to be on Arsenal themselves. I think if you look at the table, the rate at which teams are dropping points, I would say the target's 72 points, but maybe 70 points does get you there. But 72 points is another 30 from where we are now. We've 15 games to go. We got two points a game for the final 15 games of the season. For me, Champions League is ours. Champions League will be ours indeed if we do continue these wins. And guys, make sure you like and subscribe to this channel because hopefully in the future, 
We will be having po more post-match reactions where we are discussing a win for the Arsenal. But we shall see. Thank you for tuning in, guys. Make sure you like, subscribe, and most importantly, make sure you keep following us down the Arsenal way. Um, Mikel, all the fans singing Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe at the end. Two great goals. How important are they their performances to you getting a Champions League spot now? They are, but I think thank you to the supporters again for the atmosphere that they created. I understand and they love that song and everybody loves that song because they are players that have been racing in our system. And, uh, and I'm really happy that uh, we have players that they've come and uh, they take the responsibility and they manage to win games for us, which is uh, really impressive at that age. Were you at all concerned before they started scoring? Well, before Emil got the first goal? Sorry, Nick. Sorry, were you at all concerned before Emil got that first goal that you would not break them down? Well, I think we played really well until we created so many chances and shots and, and attempts in goal in the first half, but we didn't score the goal. And in the Premier League, you have to put those those chances away. You want to win. But uh, I think we came in the second half again, really convincing to score the goal. And then it was a matter of, of scoring the second to kill the game. And once we've done that, it's a shame that at the end we conceded the goal. But I think overall we should be happy with the results and, and the performance. Just finally, does it feel as if top four is in your hands now? It's a long way to go, but uh, we are a little bit uh, closer today because we won our game and it's what we have to do. And you can see with the results how tough it is to win in this league. So uh, we need to go Thursday again, prepare very well against Wolves. It's going to be a really, really difficult match and um, and perform well to win and, and play better and better and better. That's, that's, that's the aim. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks, Nick. Jim? Hi, Mikel. Uh, a great result today. Uh, since the turn of the Christmas, Mikel, the form has been very, very good. And you're sort of engineering yourself now for a real run at those Champions League spots. We want to win every game. And uh, as I said before, uh, obviously that's in the back of something. And, and we want to try to get a big purpose to, to the season. And, um, and that's certainly one of them. But we know that we cannot look too far that things change very very quickly. It's really difficult to win matches in this league. And uh, we have to focus what is tomorrow. Train tomorrow, train well, review the match and go again and prepare well against Wolves. And Mikel, was there a greater motivation coming into this game against Brentford, given what happened, happened in the opening day of the season, maybe to right that sort of wrong as such? <laughs> Well, that, yeah, that hurts. And that scar was there and I certainly felt it. I tried to transmit it to the players uh, that we should not forget how we felt after the game. And we understood um, what happened and the revolts after that, but um, that we analysed it with the context that we were in. And it was really difficult to prepare that game. The players that we had on that pitch is nothing to do with the players that we had today. But uh, we learned a lot as a, as a team. And finally, for me, Mikel, you must be enjoying this in terms of the competition for starting places now at Arsenal is really, really getting hard. Is, is it getting harder for you to pick a team now in terms of the starting 11? Yeah. People are putting their hands up each week. Yes, but for the performances on the pitch and as well for how they train. And uh, they're really putting everything into training sessions. It's You're playing once a week. Uh, in the last month, we haven't played much football. And it's tough to see players so willing to to improve and do things in the right way and, and don't be able to give them minutes after on, on the weekend. Ian? Hello, I'm Mikel. Can you hear me? Yes, I do, yeah. Hi, Mikel. Um, 
just wanted to touch back on that opening game of the season. The mood after that game must have been very low, and indeed there are two games that followed that with two defeats. Do you see a complete difference in the way your mental state of the side is? And there must be a massive feeling of optimism now in the camp. Yes, but I think I said it uh, when we played Norwich uh, here in the first game that we won after three defeats, that that was an invaluable time for me to understand the people that we have at the club, uh, the players and the staff around here, because the more difficult the situation was getting, and the more united and close and convinced we were that together we could do it. And um, and that was a, a game changer, I think, because it really united everybody. And uh, you probably learn more in, in difficult moments than in, in the good ones as well. What did you learn about your team through that period? That nobody was blaming each other, that everybody wants to contribute, everybody wanted to be in the front line, nobody wanted to hide and uh, they want to be part of what we were doing. And um, and they showed that attitude. And what they did is transmit that to the staff, transmit that to everybody at the club. And then you saw the reaction of the supporters and how close they got into, into the team because they believed in what we were trying to do. And um, just how proud, I know you've not won or done anything yet, but how proud are you with the way your side has turned around the season from that poor start? Very happy, especially the way we are playing and um, and where we are going, because that would lead to to having good results. And um, and that journey, it's what we have to enjoy, because the outcome we don't know is going to depend in many many factors, and and we have to do what we can control. And uh, and for sure, every win, celebrate it, because in this league, as I said, it's it's tough. Thanks, Mikel. Thank you, Miguel. Hi, Mikhail. Uh, just in contrast to that start of the season, um, it's been quite wild in terms of the race for the top four, whereas Arsenal have been looked so dependable lately uh, and so many games have felt in control. Uh, is that your feeling with the team right now or or, or how, how do you see it? The way I see it, that now we have 15 games to go and uh, we know more or less the amount of points that are necessary to be in that fight and we're still really, really far. So what we have to do is focus on the next match and don't lose any height and uh, this changes very quickly and this is going to be a still with a lot of turnarounds. I'm sure about that. You see it every week and uh, and we have to maintain everybody fit. That's going to be really important because we are a really short squad at the moment. Maintain everybody fit, maintain everybody with the right belief and uh, and the standards have to raise even more because we want to play better to, to win more matches. Thank you. Right, just take a couple for 10.30.